This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to find out more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In the second part of this talk, Reggie asks, where does the life force come from? He says that the empty nothingness of space gives birth to the primordial isness and rabid passion we feel when we rest in the raw energy that emerges from the empty space of our being. This talk was given at the 2009 Winter Datun Retreat, held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. To listen to guided meditations led by Reggie and find out about the upcoming Awakening the Body online program, please visit dharmaocean.org. Where does the life force come from? This utterly sacred basis of our personality is born out of nothing. It's born out of space. Space gives birth to life. It's true in a geophysical way. It's true in a psychological way. It's true in a spiritual way. Nothingness gives birth. And this is the strange and uh, sometimes very shattering fact that space has given birth to life and life has given birth to us. And we are rooted in empty, open, space, which is the same as awareness that goes forever. So what we're doing on this journey is just trying to align ourselves with who we are. You know, we talk about, you know, who we are. We have to become who we are. And sometimes we think of that in a very um, individualistic way, or we think of it in a kind of psychological way. Well, you know, I have to be you know, this particular person with this unique situation and these gifts and so on. But actually, it's much more profound than that. To be who we are is to be rooted in space, which we, you know, when we do the earth practice, we are opening ourselves to the infinite space of the earth, and somehow we feel that's really me. I'm home. That's my primordial home. It's the only time in my life I ever feel utterly safe and secure is when I'm resting in space. I mean, that's very strange. But the fact is, the reason it feels that way is because that's the way it is. That is our foundation, empty, open space. And out of that comes this um, wild passion to live which all humans have, whatever their situation. We want to live. And live doesn't mean breathing. 
It doesn't mean walking around and having a heartbeat. There's much more to it. When we say, I want to live, there's something so sacred about that. We want to be, and we want the fire of our life to express itself. And we want to experience the world that we're in. It's so spiritual, this urge we have to live. There's a first chapter of Moby Dick, um, which is a, you know, there's so much in our own culture that has so much depth. And um, Herman Melville's thinking about, you know, why do people go down to the sea? He's talking about the sea, the ocean. And why do they go down to the ocean? Why, when you know, in New Bedford, uh, you know, sailing community, why on a day off do everybody go down to the sea and people are just lined up? Sitting on the wharf, looking out, sitting on the beaches. What are they doing? He says they're looking for life. They're looking for life. I think what's going to happen with us in this lineage is that we are all making the same journey, which is back to the livingness of our being, to the this um, the beingness, the love, the power that is at our core as humans. And then each one of us is going to have to find a way to communicate it to other people. And each one of us is going to find our own way of acting and speaking and teaching. I do feel the days of organized religion are over. You know, they will continue to um, exist, but the spirituality of our age is this. Becoming who we are means learning how to rest in empty space when we need to. It's a way of um, replenishing ourselves. When we hit a wall, we have to go back to the space and we hang out there until something happens. It takes a lot of discipline, takes a lot of practice, but it's very doable. We hang out, we wait, we wait, we wait. And then all of a sudden, there's something that starts moving and something starts arising. And you never know what it's going to be. And it doesn't have anything particular to do with uh, who we think we are. And often it actually contravenes who we think we are, goes against it. And then we express it in our life. 
And that's our journey, that's our practice. And there's no sense of constructing an identity anywhere in there. It's a completely natural process. And we actually get to the point where we understand that what we think we are is just a great big obstacle. It just gets in the way. The person that we think we are, the person that we've been trying to be, the person that we feel bad because we're not. You know, all of that stuff that circulates around some kind of idea about ourselves. We start to realize that that actually is an impediment, like a big problem. But to do that, you know, we have to touch the emptiness, which is what we're working on here, and we have to learn to trust what comes out of it. The inspiration that arises, the warmth, the, um, the word, the word that comes up that we need to say. That's becoming who we are in this lineage. Becoming who we are is not knowing who we are and being willing to trust what happens with us in a very natural, spontaneous way. So we're not really sort of becoming who we are. We're sort of becoming who we're not. And the more we become who we're not, because, you know, that is the journey. Things arise, and it's interesting that our experiences always are mirror. They show us where we're hanging on. It's so interesting in life. Everything that happens shows us where we're hanging on. And the invitation is to let go. Right then, just in that moment, let it go. Like I'm saying, make room. So we're gradually letting go of all these different ideas and things about who we are and what we should be doing, how we should live our life. It's so interesting. And pretty soon, we just become a river a river of life flowing, 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 flowing. And we, we touch other people from that space. We meet people in a completely different way. You meet someone and you love them as much as you've ever loved anybody in your whole life. There's so much love for them just for who they are. And the intimacy with your world is so shattering, really. You know, shattering shatters what we think. So strangely enough, you know, we sort of lose all of our sense of who we are. And even what we should be doing. But the experience of life becomes so brilliant and intense and beautiful. And of course, each one of us is going to make this journey in a unique way. And there are no pigeonholes at all. Each one of us is, the, is a sun in the center of a solar system. And the solar system is in the center of a galaxy. And that, each one of us is at the center of a whole world. And if anybody ever achieved that fullness of human life, if you had the one person in all of time and space who achieved that fullness, it has to be us. It has to be you. You are the Buddha. You are Krishna. 
you are Kali. I mean, whatever that image is, that's us. So any, we have to give up any idea of mediation, any idea that somebody else has it and we need to get it. And we have to give it up, give it up, give it up. There are no external authorities for us. There are people who can inspire us to that process of self-discovery. And there are traditions that can give us practices that can help us make that journey. But there's no mediation. We're not talking about mediation here. It's not like there's only salvation to the church. It's not like if you're not a Buddhist, you can't do it. We, in fact, have to separate ourselves from all sense that we need to rely on something outside of ourselves and simply let the life in us flow. We have compatriots. You can read Blake. You can read Rumi. There are people out there who've made this journey and incite us to do it ourselves. But we do have to work on ourselves. We do have to give up our sense of our smallness and our anyness, anyness whatsoeverness. We have to give it up and be really willing to be not only alone with other people, but even alone in terms of our thoughts. We don't even have our thoughts to keep ourselves company. That's how lonely and alone it is. There are certain thoughts that we don't want to think. We need to realize this is a new moment for ourselves and for, you know, the human race. In my own journey, I have um, Chogim Trungpa on my case, and um, he he comes to people. There are certain people in my life who are very tapped in to the other world, and uh, the message to me personally is: don't hang on to the past. Don't hang on to Tibetan Buddhism. Don't hang on to Buddhism. Don't hang on to what you think. Meet people nakedly. Teach out of nothingness. The past is dead. It's gone. And this message has been relentless over the last uh, long, long time, and it's getting more intense. And also to meet you in terms of your absolute uniqueness and individuality and beauty. To see it, to name it, and to trust it. And to help you do the same thing. 
Nothing is what we thought. Nothing is what I thought. It's different. How open are we to things not being what we thought? more open we are, the more the journey is going to happen for all of us. So that's the future. And part of the future is connecting with the unseen world, which is always leading us forward. and opening our state of being. We do have guides in this process, unseen guides, and quite a number of people have been talking to me about this already. Things are turning up. We have a lot of help on the journey, and the help isn't necessarily going to come from um, people and beings we can see. A lot of the help comes from those that we can't see but we sense. At the beginning of a program, often, uh, most of the time, I um, take a little bit of time and invoke our guides, invoke the unseen beings to help us make this journey, which is the journey they've made. There are many who have made this journey we're talking about here. Um, maybe especially people before organized religion or people outside of organized religion. And when they die, they become part of the love of reality for her children. And they appear to us sometimes or dreams, they send us dreams or they, they show up in events in our life but we actually need their help. No human person could do this on his or her own. It's just not. That's why we have this idea of lineage, that there's an understanding passed down. Nobody could do this on their own. It's way too vast. It's way too huge, immense. The sheer immensity of what we're called to. We couldn't do it on our own, so we were helped. So, I want to play the drum for a little bit. And the drum awakens our deeper consciousness and opens our awareness in a certain way. And it calls to us what needs to be with us. And each one of us is different. But it invokes and calls the help that we need and surrounds us. And um, there's a lot going on in this valley. There's a lot going on in the mountains. This place has been, uh, people have come here and made the journey we're talking about for the last 10,000 years. There's evidence that 10,000 years ago people were here doing, doing things. So, um, sometimes they come in the shrine room. And uh, you might wonder what they do. Are you wondering what they do when they come in the shrine room? They dance. 
And they're saying to all of us, come on, come on, come on, dance, you know. <laughs> and their, their dancing is very, very, very joyful. Our, their dancing is like our dancing would be if we had actually let go of all of the baggage that we're carrying around. And whether or not we see them, you can feel them. You can look out at night and you can, um, you know, when I drum, They're campfires. Throughout the valley. And they're here. And they're here to help those of us who are still living and are making the journey. And they're waiting. So, we're going to drum and because that's what they like. The drum is the beat of the human heart. And that's their thing. To listen to more of Reggie and Caroline's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats and online programs, and explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your journey with somatic meditation, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.